Hello, welcome back to Learn It From a Layman. I'm Carl Christensen. I'm back with Matt. And for those of you that have been listening to our podcast for a while, uh, you're already familiar with Peter, Peter Vogel. Um, and if you don't know Peter, you need to go back and listen to our quantum physics podcast uh, and our relativity podcasts. But well, Peter, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. It's good to be back. So how's the uh, so for those of you that those of our listeners that haven't don't know you yet, Peter has his um, majored in physics in college, and, but is now becoming a dentist. Where where are you at in that process, Peter? I've got a year left as of next month, so I guess a year and a month left. But okay, awesome. So almost, almost the home stretch here. Yep. Cool. Well, good luck. Uh, and I'm sure you'll be a great dentist, but right now, today, we're going to be discussing the uh, basics of uh, electromagnetic forces. And uh, so we've done podcasts, and we did a podcast a couple of years ago about the electromagnetic spectrum, and I'm sure we'll touch upon on that as well. Um, but today we're going to be talking a little bit more about what electromagnetic forces are, electromagnetic fields, that type of thing. So. For the layman, Peter, oh, could you just explain what elect an electromagnetic field is and, and just the basics of you know, pull apart the word electromagnetic and make it make sense for a, a layman? Yeah, I mean, pulling it apart is probably the first place to start. Um, electric and magnetic fields are two different kinds of fields. Um, they don't affect each other, but they are related to each other. So I think it would be starting out with electrostatic um, fields it's when electricity isn't moving so you have like a charge it can be like an electron that's sitting out in space for example and that electron will generate a field around it and that field is just like um the field is where if you were to put a charge into that field it would determine how much force would be placed on it whether it's a proton or electron or how charge that is would depend on how hard it pushes or pulls on it but um, an electrostatic field is a field that is just like typically when they describe them in physics they talk about like a topographical map where um you have a higher mountain the higher your electric potential is electric potential is just like how potent the electric field is basically so um, a really basic electrostatic um, system would have a charged particle sitting out in space, and you would, if you were to look at that field from a um, electric potential um, point of view, you would see a big mountain that would fall off exponentially as you get further away from it. And then there's a magnetostatic field, which magnetic fields are different. Um, it's like so a magnetic field has no there doesn't have to be any charge in the field it's um it's just magnetic so a magnetic field runs from north to south as pretty much everyone is aware of and it looks like when you draw it out it's an arrow that shoots out of the north and then curves around and comes back into the south end of the magnet so um some people are seen where you like have iron filings next to a magnet or something, and you'll see them all like line up along the magnetic field lines. Um, if you ever want to do an experiment, you can take a magnet and put it under like a plastic sheet and then um, dump iron filings on top and shake it around, and you'll see what the magnetic field looks like. It's kind of cool. Now, and when then, you say north and south in that context, you're not actually talking about the cardinal directions north and south. These are the labels that are given to different poles of a magnet regardless yeah, exactly. of their orientation relative to the compass yeah they're just labeled that because that's what it does on earth so i mean earth has a north and south end and that's where they started with magnets basically but okay i got two um, questions yeah. one one is so we started with um electrostatic <laughs> feel or so is that so when people rub a balloon on their head <laughs> and then you can stick the balloon to the wall, um, mm -hmm. is that static electricity? 
And is that yeah. the same as a static ele electrostatic field or whatever? Um, yes. So static electricity means static is the word for motionless, right? Um, right. So static electricity in an electrostatic field would be basically like your charges aren't moving. The point where electricity and magnetism become related is when electrical charges start moving. So um, let me just, I have a couple more thoughts on that. Let me just finish sure. those out real quick. Sorry, yeah, not to, to hijack. No, you're good. Go ahead. So like an electrical field, um, basically it's a space, an electric charge will push or pull electric charges that are in that field. Um, and then a magnetic field will, um, it's generated by moving electric charges. So kind of like you were talking about, um, you have a static electric charge, that one is just purely an electrical field. And then as soon as charges start moving, now you move into an electromagnetic field because um, you're starting to, gen whenever a charge moves, if you have like an electron moving through space, it'll generate a magnetic field as it moves. Um, so you can't have a magnetic field without electricity. And magnetism, if we really get down to it, if you want to go all the way down to the quantum realm again. Um, we, we do. We do. So magnetism gets generated when you have, um, I mean, let's, we can talk about pi orbitals and sigma orbitals and electron density clouds and all of that, but when it comes down to it, that is just a lot of math. The simplest way to think about it is every atom has electrons that are in two different states. They're in an up or down spin, is what you call them. Um, and then materials that can have magnetic properties are materials like atoms that will have a spin that is uneven. So if you have all of the atoms spinning in one direction, or all of the atoms' electrons spinning in one direction. This is kind of dumbed down. If they're quote unquote spinning in one direction, then you would have a really strong magnetic field, but they're always paired. So usually you'll have one up and then one down, and then one up and then one down. And up and down is denoting the spin, meaning basically what direction they're spinning around the atom. And so if they're unpaired, so once you, if you have like 21 atoms, for example, you don't have the same number of up and down spins, which means that one electron is out of balance, which generates a magnetic field because you have a moving electric charge that isn't canceled by the other electron. Okay. Now the, uh, you said, do, uh, for stronger magnetic magnetic fields, that just means more electrons that are out of balance. And and how do you get out of balance? So it's just with with any atom, um, the metals have metals are more magnetic typically because I guess something that is a stronger magnet has more magnetic dipoles that are in one direction and a dipole just means what direction that um, atom is pointing basically so <laughs> if you have like we'll just for simplicity's sake say you have four or ten atoms in a bar and five of them are pointing one direction and five of them are pointing the other then that bar will have no magnetic properties but um, if you were to get all of them pointing in the same direction, it would be a stronger magnet. So really strong magnets are um, materials where they've oriented all of the dipoles. And a dipole is just like the north and south end of the magnet, where they orient all of them in the same direction. So like a neodymium rare earth metal, they've managed to lock all of those dipoles in one direction. And you can adjust the way that those dipoles are oriented typically by heat and even just like hitting something so like making a making a magnet can be done by just like hitting a piece of metal while it's hot and there's and then putting it in a magnetic field and those dipoles will it, all the atoms literally just vibrate and turn until they're facing the same way as the magnet that's nearby if that makes sense 
It does make sense. Okay, that's cool. Um, okay, so then you explained magnets, which is really useful because that's something I wanted to better understand. I feel like I've got a better grasp on it, even if only a layman's understanding. But so now we've got a magnetic field. We've got a new magnet. These uh, aligned uh, on off-balance electron charges that are creating this magnetic field and the idea is electromagnetic <laughs> field is you've got the electricity the static electricity sitting in the static field and then you've got a, a magnetic pole and so they're going to it's going to pull that charge that electric electric field charge is that right um sort of okay so electricity and magnetism don't interact at all until electricity starts moving um, so if you had a magnetic field and you put an electron in a magnetic field and it's just sitting right there, absolutely nothing will happen to the electron. But as soon as the electron starts to move, that's where they start interacting. So is it fair to say that when you have an electromagnetic field, you, you can't have a static electromagnetic field. There has to be yeah. motion for it to be electromagnetic. Likewise, you can't have... Um, a dynamic electric field without the magnetic field that goes with it because when it's moving that's where they're together when they're static or not moving that's where they can be apart yep exactly I think you just so, said what you said over but whatever no, we learned through repetition well summarized <laughs> yep so when charges are in a Basically, an electrostatic field has nothing to do with magnetism. Um, however, as soon as charges start moving, which charges almost always move, then you start getting magnetism. So if you rub that balloon on your head and it gets all staticky and then you move that balloon, you're starting to make magnetic fields. You're starting to make magnetic waves, honestly. But. Okay. And that's, I guess that's where we go from here now, right? So we've got a kind of a basic, well, I have a basic, you guys have a better understanding, but I have a basic understanding of electrostatic fields, magnetic fields, and that in order to become an electromagnetic field, there has to be movement involved. And that movement is is waves, right? So now we're talking electromagnetic waves. Can we start? Mm -hmm. So why does it travel in waves? And what, I mean, is that just the property of the... Uh, I, I, let me not jump it. Why does it travel in waves? <laughs> okay, well, that's why it travels in waves is kind of a long explanation, but I'll see what I can do. Um, so electromagnetic waves are light, right? Light is what we see, but there's a whole, you guys have done a podcast on this, but there's a whole lot of electromagnetic waves that are just outside of the visible spectrum. So there's a certain like, window of those electromagnetic waves that our eyes are capable of seeing and then on either end of those is where there's a whole bunch of other waves such as radio microwave x-ray gamma um they're just different wavelengths that our eyes aren't designed to be able to see um so that's where we start off and then the first law of thermodynamics basically states that energy can neither be created nor destroyed so when light is created, mass is converted into energy. That's the whole E equals mc squared equation that Einstein came up with. And so, okay, those are all important things to understand. So once you have the energy that was created from mass, now you just have a photon. And um, because that energy can't be created or destroyed, it has to go somewhere, which means that... Um, you have so a photon has you initiate it by initiating some sort of um electric field right so and it's an electric field because it's an alternating electric field that you're creating and that field is i mean it's a photon because it's an alternating electric field and that electric field looks like a sine wave for those of you who may not know what that shape is it goes up and then it goes down and at some point it crosses the zero line and the zero line would be where it has no energy. So it just goes up and down and up and down and keeps crossing that zero line and going back to that first law of thermodynamics where you can, your energy can't be created or destroyed. 
it doesn't make any sense that you're going to having energy to no energy to having negative energy compared to where you started back to having zero so that energy is being transferred from being a magnetic or an electric field into becoming a magnetic field as because as we talked about in the previous part whenever you have an electric field change you generate a magnetic field so your electric field gets generated right at the start after your mass is converted into energy you have just like a bump of energy in an electric field and then that electric field collapses and it collapses into the magnetic spectrum you could kind of you could uh, describe it as that and then that makes a magnetic field that bumps out and then it starts to collapse into the electric field again and as that goes it propagates back and forth and they're just feeding off of each other um and then let's see um that can propagate through space because um it's just energy energy can go back and forth and it's super efficient because there's nothing that's taking energy away from it um yeah i don't know if that okay. made any sense that I was probably a little so. I, think I, I was candidly I, I for a while i was like i'm way in the deep end here i have no idea what's going on but i think i just held on just long enough that I think I understand. So essentially you're saying it travels in waves because that's what like electromagnetic fields by definition, like that's the 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 way that uh, those fields interact is like what you just described, like that sine wave up and down and um, and in order to adhere to the law of physics and thermodynamics, uh, the, those fields have to do that interplay um, and that that's what what happens is a, is a wave mm -hmm. and light is purely electric it's purely an electric field whenever you hit the maximum on that sine wave and then okay. once you hit zero it becomes purely a magnetic field mm -hmm. so it's really just like it's like if you take a string and you shake it you send a wave down that string and that wave the energy is traveling through the string but in this case it's traveling through an electromagnetic field I have, I, I've now understood, I understand something fundamental that I didn't before. So this has been, this is great. Um, okay, great. Let's, uh, you, you know, you talked, you gave some examples like, um, obviously the electromagnetic spectrum's got a bunch of uh, the different uh, wavelengths and all those things give us different uh, variety of, of waves that we described and have talked about in previous podcasts. Something we didn't delve into a lot, though, is, is the medium through which they travel and how that affects the waves as well. So um, if I've got um, a, a, just, let's say, visible light for the sake of being pretty late, uh, something more familiar to the average man, um, it, when I hit uh, water, I know that my light is th this electromagnetic radiation is being affected how does that work with, uh, i guess across the spectrum and why is it uh, that different uh mediums affect uh different types of electromagnetic uh radiation in different ways yeah that's a i mean that one question is like a whole field of physics but <laughs> okay um right. we've got a few minutes left on this podcast so. <laughs> yeah let's let, come on peter <laughs> no it's okay i'll do i'll do what i can here but electric okay. fields so electric fields and magnetic fields travel through different mediums in different ways so let's talk about magnetic fields first maybe um magnetic fields can be transmitted through metal objects by realigning the magnetic dipoles like we talked about before so when you bring a magnet close to a metal object, the dipoles in the metal object are kind of like they are forced to turn to orient themselves with the magnet that's coming close to them. And as those pole, as those dipoles turn and they all become in the same, or if they all point in the same direction, they're transferring that magnetic field more efficiently than it would have in just normal space, right? So if you take a magnet and you put like a metal rod on that magnet, then your magnetic field is kind of extended to some degree. Um, 
because it's able to travel through the metal rod better than it's able to travel through space because it is able to like rearrange each of those dipoles and transfer its field further. Um, and then as soon as you pull it away, if you pull that magnet away from the metal bar, then all those dipoles, they want to be how they were before. So they all will like snap back to where they were before and that metal bar will just go back to being an iron bar or whatever it was you were holding up. Um, you can, as we talked about before, make that metal bar into a, um, you can make it into an actual magnet by um, physically, like it's kind of a weird interaction of like the atomic level with the what you see every day where you can just like bring it down to the dumbest way hitting like rocks against things back to the caveman age but if you start hitting it each of those dipoles kind of relaxes and the more you hit it the more that those atoms reorient themselves while they're in that magnetic field and then when you take that bar away from the magnet again all of those dipoles because they've just either if you heat them up or if you just literally smack it with a hammer or a rock or something those dipoles won't snap back to where they were quite as much so okay so literally like if i have a strong magnet and i want to make another magnet i can take a piece of metal a metal bar or metal rod or whatever put it next to the magnet and just whack on it for a while and it becomes a magnet yeah exactly so as long as you're deforming the metal to some degree it'll start like those atoms will start to reorient themselves to be in um, basically in accordance with what the magnet next to it wants it to be. So, hmm. well, if the, you the magnet next to it, if you start just punching rocks together, I don't know that <laughs> you're gonna get what I think right. Carl well, was getting at. I don't know. No, no, no. Yeah, no. I mean, you could hit your metal bar with a rock, but you have to. It has to be the appropriate material, right? Yeah. If right. if you take two metal rods that are not magnetized and start Right, them right. together are you going to build a magnetic field that way no because you have to have a magnet in the first place right okay and the magnet will so like you have to put the, the magnet thing. next to it yeah if you put the magnet next to it then all of those dipoles in the rod that wasn't a magnet will kind of turn to try and try and look like the magnet next to it yeah and that's where you just beat the crap out of the metal rod until it looks like it's <laughs> until Basically, it complies with what you want it to do. Uh, so, <laughs> can we talk about that, uh, or rather, talk about magnets really quick, though? Like, as in, there are some things that are just magnetic, other things that can become magnetic. What makes something some inherently magnetic? magnetic? Yeah. Upon. Yes. Thank you, Carl. Okay, I was just trying to get, you know, it yeah. to be some comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, to be magnetic, we go back to the thing we talked about at the start, where we go all the way to the quantum level with electrons that are spinning in one direction or the other, because magnetism is only generated when an electric charge moves. So if you have an atom and you think about it like the sun with the planets turning around it, if you have... Um, five electrons going in one direction and five electrons going in the other direction, then they cancel each other out. And that that atom has no potential to ever become magnetic because it doesn't have, it has an even number of electrons, basically. Um, when you get to atoms that have an unequal number, un, uneven number of electrons, then you start to have the potential to become magnetic um, because you can have four going in one direction and five going in the other. And now you have a net one electron going in one direction, which makes it capable of becoming magnetic. But it does get a little more complicated than that because you have ferromagnetic, you have diamag or is it diamagnetic and there's one more where those are kind of uh kind of complicated because sometimes magnets yeah paramagnetic was the last one they uh do different kinds of things um for the most part what people know about are ferromagnets though where they do the same thing like they just have a north south and they 
do what you would think would happen with a magnet. Okay. But you, um, you were, sorry. No, sorry. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to take us back. So I don't know if we were, you were describing how magnetic fields can travel through, um, through, well, metal, for example, but then there are <laughs> other types of uh, electromagnetic radiation that don't travel well to particular types of mediums, right? Yeah. So, I mean, with the magnetic one, if you were, we talked about using a metal bar, if you stick a rock next to it or water or something, it won't change your magnetic field at all. It'll just be exactly the same, except that there's a rock next to it. Um, an electric field does different things. We're talking electrostatic field because we're going to just the very basic things right now. Um, with an electric field, it decreases when it passes through materials called dielectrics. Dielectric in its most basic form is just an insulator. So like rubber, um, plastic, things like that. Um, so this is a useful thing when you have things like a capacitor, for example. A capacitor is in its most basic form two plates where you have one plate that's charged negatively and the other plate that's charged positively. And or you charge one plate negatively and by charging it with a negative charge, you push all the electrons out of the plate that's next to it because electrons don't want to be next to each other. Um, if you put a dielectric or insulator between the two, um, you're putting something into that electric field and it makes it harder for those electrons to push on the other plate across from it. Um, but there are other things that electric fields do travel um, more easily. Well, let's see. So other materials, if you basically, if you touch the plate or if you touch something that's charged with water, you mentioned water, it'll just go away because the charges will jump into the water and be carried away. Um, they travel through air, okay, and then an electric field in space would be kind of the most pure. Everything has a, or a what was the word I used? A um, dielectric constant to it. So air has a dielectric constant, rubber does, plastic, and each one of those types of plastic and rubber have a different one, but um, yeah, you're getting all sorts of hard things here into this podcast, but um, <laughs> that's what we like to do. You know, we take the layman and we really educate them, uh, or at least we try, or you and try. Electric, <laughs> well, I think you guys have a lot of them too. I've listened to some <laughs> of them. You guys have lots of good podcasts, but not the ones that involve me for the most part. Right. right. <laughs> There's a reason that uh, people are listening to this podcast, Peter, more than any other podcast. So, <laughs> okay. So you, uh, you guys, not me though. <laughs> <laughs> so in space, you have a pure electric field. So when I, if I'm talking electricity, like in my house, electricity, that mm -hmm. is purely electric field, not an electromagnetic field. Um, no. No, yeah. Because <laughs> when you're using electricity in your house, you're using electrical flow. It's charges moving. If charge was not moving, then none of your appliances would actually do anything. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and so I have an electromagnetic field traveling through usually wire, right? And all through your house right now. Right. And what um, and what is that an electromagnetic uh, spectrum? That is what. So it's not so much that you have an electromagnetic field traveling through your wires. You have electrons traveling through the wires, and those electrons generate an electromagnetic field around them. So every wire that goes through your house has an electromagnetic field that kind of circles it if um if that makes any sense so if the electrons travel straight then you have a magnetic field that makes a circle around the wire 
And anytime, like if you put two wires next to each other that are traveling in the exact same direction, they'll repel. So the wire next to the other wire with a current traveling in the same direction, those wires will push each other away because of the magnetic field that they make, not because of the electric field. So, and then if you turn them around, then they'll attract to each other because of the magnetic field they create. I think the other part to be clear about is the distinction between an electromagnetic field and electromagnetic radiation. <laughs> the radiation yeah. is the waves that is the light, the X-rays, the gamma rays, the whatever rays. The field is 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 not that the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Typically, we don't really talk about um, an electromagnetic field. Electromagnetic field just basically means it's complicated. It means that there's both an electric and a magnetic component. But when you work with electric and magnetic fields in physics, you work with them independently, and then you figure out how they interact after that. Okay. So you work with an electric field, and you work with an elect a magnetic field, but you don't work with electromagnetic fields. An electromagnetic field just means that both are involved in that area in space. Okay. Um, let me see. So electricity. So so for example, a so we got electricity inside the house. Obviously, that's you talked about it travels through wires, and if you have two wires, they push apart or pull together. Uh, but they're all insulated, right? And that's the idea: is you you want to disrupt that magnetic field between them? <laughs> no, because as we talked about, the magnetic field you can't stop it. Basically, um, it just goes right through the insulator on the side. All the insulator, like the plastic or rubber or whatever they put around your wire, all that does is it just, if you touch two wires together, it keeps you from short-circuiting something. It keeps it from um, running current or running electricity through things in a way that it shouldn't be run. Okay. So the magnetic field is going to do what it's going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Unless you put another magnet in there to perturb the field. Okay. Yeah. That's true. There are there are some cables. They're called coax cables that they use for like TVs and stuff. Because when you start messing with magnetic fields around your TV, you start messing up the like the signal that your TV is getting. And um, they use something called a coax cable, where they run a current in one direction through the central cable and a current in the opposite direction through like a tube that goes around that cable. And those magnetic fields will counteract each other so that outside of that wire it looks like there's not a magnetic field being generated around the wire if that makes sense a fun experiment is to take an old tv and an old set of speakers and place the old speakers which have magnets in them on top of your old crt cathode ray tube tv and then watch as <laughs> the image at the top where you've placed the speakers changes color Sometimes permanently, which you know may have <laughs> happened to our TV. I was going to say that sounds familiar. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's it'd be thing. also that's... interesting to play music through your speakers while your TV is on, because then your field would change the whole time. Oh yeah. <laughs> wow. You okay. Sound at that point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, coax. I didn't know that about coaxial cables. Um, so. With the electric, so another thing that I know the layman has frequent interactions with is is lightning, right? That's an example of an electromagnetic field uh, that's generated in the clouds and then needs to release its charge, so it, it hits the ground, right? Um, lightning is nature's capacitor, basically. You get the charge, the charge builds up in the clouds, and then the electrons are all you made a static you made a static field so you made electrons in the sky and you that are just for all intents and purposes they're not moving fast enough to make a strong magnetic field but they um the electrons are in the sky the earth those electrons in the sky push the electrons on the earth out of the way so um the ground starts to look more positively charged and then once the charge gets big enough, you have an arc, just like if you put a battery next to another 
or like you put two charged wires next to each other eventually if they get close enough or there's a high enough voltage they'll jump between the two um and that's why if basically close, yeah it's just an arc <laughs> if you're close enough to uh a lightning strike your hit your hair stands on end is that because of the magnetic field that's that's generated then or is that the electric field that's still also affecting you even yeah. if you're not directly struck yeah. a lightning your strike hair is, is made of metal it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I guess my uh, maiden or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so not the magnet as much, but there is so there there would be magnetic field generated. I'd imagine for a split second, it'd be pretty strong, right? In, in, um, the, in the lightning strike. Yeah, when it actually arcs, you generate an elect or a magnetic field. What you're feeling though, when your hair starts to stand on end, if you're close to where lightning is going to strike, is um when you have a strong magnetic field so you have a whole bunch of electrons built up in the clouds those electrons you have electrons in your body and electrons don't be don't like to be next to electrons so you're standing on the ground and all the electrons in the sky are pushing down on all the electrons in your body and they're trying to push them into the ground so all those electrons are just being pushed out of you and now your hair is positively charged and the sky is negatively charged and your hair starts to kind of, so positives and negatives attract, your hair starts to get pulled up towards the sky because of the electric field or the electric force that's being applied to you because the sky pushed all of your electrons out of you. Um, Sounds which is a bad thing for you because it gets you even closer and it makes that arc easier. And mm, okay. Yeah. So you start to feel that tingly thing and your hair starts to stand up because you are what is being having its electrons pushed out of they're pushing out of you. Hmm. Wow, okay. Okay, okay. Can I go uh, let me revisit the electricity inside the house again once again for so most of the wires that we travel that we have inside the house electricity like if I'm doing some type of basic electric work in my home, I see mo like two wires usually or three even together. Um, but you, you talk about how like they are either going to like pull together or uh, repel each other. Um, are, is that so, I know that there's also like a ground wire. How does that what is a ground wire and what does that do as far as electromagnetic field is concerned? Um, electromagnetic field isn't affected by a ground wire because um, okay. once again we don't really we don't really work with electromagnetic fields that's just a oh, you just, just saying that both the of them are Got yeah it. for the right. most part you work with one or the other and saying that an electromagnetic field is just saying that both are involved somehow right um however with wires in your house you have a typically you have a is labeled positive, negative, and ground. Um, really, you just need, I mean, so the ground is, you have something called alternating current in your house. Um, alternating current is a whole different topic. Um, there's a lot of cool history that could be a different podcast entirely where you talk about okay. alternating current and direct current and the history behind all of that. But, um, or a band like ACDC. Yeah, yeah. Or AC in your car where you have alternating current that you turn on, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's um, uh, right That's along our level for, here. Right? You're speaking my language. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, so ground in your house, though. Ground is, there's literally a part of your house that goes into the ground, and it's something to keep you safe. It keeps the electrical... Um, energy from getting too high your electricity runs into the ground eventually basically because it all wants to equalize nothing likes to have a positive charge or a negative charge on it so um when you're done using your electricity electricity is always trying to run into being at an equilibrium state where there's no positive or negative charge at all and the earth is just a big sink of sucking up electrical energy that we've created so as we create it the electrons in the most basic term will 
do what they're supposed to do in your house and then they get released into the wild and stuck back onto earth basically where they're happy again because it's mostly even okay so uh, yeah I, I, i'm generally familiar obviously the idea that a ground wire is yeah a safety precaution um i know that there are electro electrical appliances that do not have ground you know a ground plug or something like they don't uh and i assume that's just because the electricity consumed is just not significant there's no real risk of overloading or, or the electrical current there or something like that um no? yeah i mean with alternating current it's a little more complicated but okay, okay. well we might be a whole different topic yeah, yeah let's, let's <laughs> get back into the physics of electric fields or magnetic fields so I, I got off on this tangent of electricity in my house because it's interesting uh but um so is electromagnetic force uh so we talked a little bit about matt was talking about how electric fields are different than electromagnetic radiation um so an electric field uh, and we, we talked about how different mediums affect it in different ways um how does temperature affect uh like an electric field or a magnetic field um temperature this isn't the most exciting topic but basically the higher your temperature gets the less conductive your material gets and the reason for that is in a wire you have a bunch of if you can think of it as a bunch of people passing an electron or passing a bucket of water down a chain um if everything is when something gets hot all the atoms start moving a lot and they're just vibrating all over the place so if you think about our people passing buckets of water down a chain example if everyone's just standing stationary in their perfect position and they just keep handing the bucket left to right left to right it all runs smoothly but if you have everyone in that chain like running back and forth and trying to pass the buckets they're just like somewhere like there's no like order to it they're just randomly running around and if they happen to come to the next person then they hand them the bucket but it stops being efficient basically so temperature makes things vibrate vibration makes it less efficient because now it's not this structured um is that structured like putting, system well, does that have anything to do with why like people say or I, i've heard this is also just a rumor but like putting a battery in the fridge uh is good in uh for for battery life or something like that i Uh, potentially unrelated which is how i, I roll it has more to do with inhibiting the chemical reactions that cause your battery to lose its charge now the thing that will make your item perhaps run more efficiently is to operate whatever thing you have at low temperature okay yeah so if that makes sense yeah so, so like when your computer gets hot your battery dies faster Right. or yeah cuz i mean your your material or your uh, charges don't flow as well is what you're saying or what i heard so we should make people in arizona move out because they're wasting electricity there, there are many reasons to make people move from arizona but yes <laughs> among among the reasons to abandon phoenix as a lost cause is uh because electricity does not travel well on a hot a day wires or you know super hot situation you know whatever temperature negatively affects uh, the efficiency of uh, the flow of electricity essentially right mm -hmm. all right so um there. however temperature in general doesn't i mean you can have a lower temperature that can make things more efficient there's things called superconductors which are really cool. They're super cool because they're superconductors, but um, <laughs> mm, yes, super cool in two senses because you have to literally super cool a superconductor for it to become a superconductor. So you can get these pucks of superconductive material and if you pour liquid nitrogen on them, they go from being just a boring piece of ceramic typically to becoming something that has almost no resistance when you run electricity through it. Um which has some other cool effects when you have a magnet nearby because 
if you super cool that superconductor and turn it into a superconductor next to a magnet, you get something called flux pinning, which means that the magnet and the superconductor will um, stay in the exact same orientation that they were when you cooled the superconductor until that superconductor ceases to be a superconductor. So you can take your magnet after you've cooled that superconductor and move your magnet and turn it upside down and that little like puck that's sitting there will just float about two inches or however far away it was and you can turn it upside down and spin it all around and they'll just stay in the same position even though they're not touching just floating there in space it's really cool looking wow but maybe that's a different topic too i don't know (laughs) that's cool (laughs) i like that uh but you did mention flux and i know we've already talked capacitors so I think it's time to talk flux capacitors. You know, pop culture doesn't have to come into everything. But. I, I mean, clearly it does. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, this, this back, in the, uh, back in the future count as pop culture and in in nowadays, like, I don't know. Anyway, um, okay, let's hit a couple more questions here. Um, what cause, so... I, and I'm not entirely sure. I entirely understand the difference between an electric field and or a magnetic field and electromagnetic radiation. Where does so does an electric field when it starts moving when it becomes an electromagnetic field that uh, it, it the electrons flying off of it are the electromagnetic radiation or what is the difference? Um, so let's think about the word to radiate. Um, Radiate just means it goes outwards, basically, right? So you can radiate positive energy and you're just sending out positive vibes to the universe. Um, Radiating um, electromagnetic radiation, all that means is you're sending out energy in the form of electromagnetic fields. So um, you're you're creating, as we talked about at the start, an electric field, which then collapses into a magnetic field, which then builds its electric field back up again. And that radiation is just those waves of electromagnetic, those electromagnetic waves. We call them electromagnetic waves because they have both an electric com- component and a magnetic component to the wave. All right. Okay. And so the, as it travels, it's uh, traveling, uh, and when it's traveling, it is radiating. Therefore, it is electromagnetic radiation. Yeah, something something radiates electromagnetic radiation, which means so like the sun radiates electromagnetic waves, which means that it is just emanating. It's just shooting out a whole bunch of energy in every direction. And that energy is a photon. And I don't remember if it was on this podcast that we talked about photons being like a particle and a wave. But right. I think that was, uh, we have talked about that before. I don't think it was this podcast, but if they want yeah. to know more. No, we, we did. We, we did totally we? talked about wave-particle duality. <laughs> yes, we did. We certainly did. We talked about wave-particle duality and quantum, the basis of quantum physics, or whatever that podcast was. Um, so, with, with the, what, so... We talk, you, you discuss, you've described very well so that even I understand the difference or why they travel in waves, uh, why electric fields uh, that turn into magnetic fields travel in waves. Uh, is it just increased energy then that changes the wavelength and or amplitude? Um, amplitude is directly correlated with intensity. So a really bright light has really large amplitude waves. Um, and then a wavelength is um, inversely proportional to energy. So the higher the wavelength, meaning the longer a wave is, um, the less energy it has. Um, so electromagnetic waves that have a very high energy have a very short wavelength, meaning the waves are very short. So radio waves can be miles long where you have the peak of one wave and the peak of the next wave, meaning the peak of when it is in the electric field back to when it's at its maximum in the electric field again, that can be miles different where, where it takes miles for the 
electric field to collapse into the magnetic and then come back into the electric field again. Um, whereas if you have other ones that are higher energy, that means it's a shorter wavelength. And that goes into things like gamma, X-ray, radio, or not radio, microwave, things like that that are higher energy. Um, yeah. And your higher energy waves travel better through more solid objects. Is that true? It's like uh, X-rays, you, obviously, you can look inside a person's body, for example, um, mm -hmm. and under un, under their skin or whatever, you know, through some some material where like um, light visible light. If I go behind the wall and I turn on a light on the other side of the wall, I'm not going to see anything. Um, it's not traveling through any solid uh, matter. So that is it the more energy, the, the higher the uh, that uh, wavelength, the more it can penetrate in, through solid objects. I don't know if I'd go that far, because if you think about it, radio waves go through stuff pretty well, too. That's true. Um, I think it's more of what. So objects absorb electromagnetic waves depending on where the electrons fit in their orbitals so we're going back to quantum we go back to quantum a lot in this podcast for some reason <laughs> but um basically glass is transparent to visible light because the electron there's certain states where you have more energy and less energy and the electrons can only jump between those states and the light travels through glass because the atoms in glass have a gap between those two different energy states that isn't appropriate to absorb the amount of energy in the visible light spectrum or the electromagnetic waves in the visible light spectrum emit so it doesn't have the capability to absorb that light and the light travels through glass but it doesn't travel through brick um, x-rays go through things because they're very, very high energy, which means that they're um, basically things absorb them, but there's just so much energy involved that it penetrates through it better. Um, so in a sense, you could say that X-rays, gamma rays, things like that do penetrate better, but it's more because of the amount of energy they have than what part of the spectrum they're in, I guess. Okay. Um, um, if you think about it, though, it's... I think it's really fascinating that visible light and gamma rays and x-rays and all of that are all just and radio waves. They're all just one spectrum. They're all the exact same thing. It's just how much energy they have. So the visible light spectrum, basically, as soon as you leave the visible light spectrum and start going higher energy than that, you get into UV microwaves and then you go to like x-rays and gamma rays. And basically, as soon as you leave the visible light spectrum after purple light, even once you're in purple, you start to damage things like your body and skin and um, anything. Basically, purple light can damage you. Anything more purple than purple hurts you more. So you could think of x-rays as being very, very purple light to some degree, I guess. <laughs> right, and right. Then, Infrared is not going to hurt you in anything less than infrared. Radio waves are just very, very red waves to some degree. And that's because of the, so you said it caused damage, like, you know, when you go to the dentist, for example, and you have to put on that, is, is it lead? It can't really be lead, right? Yeah, Whatever that lead. vest thing is. No, lead? it's actually lead. Yep. Okay. <laughs> lead vests they put on you in order to protect you when they're doing an x-ray of your mouth or something like that. Um, that's because the... Uh, electromagnetic radiation causes cellular damage and how do, is that because of the uh, electrons or the energy the energy physically destroys the dna um, ah, okay it doesn't it, wait what are you saying that no go ahead go ahead and finish it up like the the dna it doesn't happen very often that it will actually destroy the dna because the dna is a very small part of the cell um, and so the chances that that photon will actually hit the DNA and damage cells in a way that it will have an actually like large effect on your body is pretty low, especially with dental x-rays. There's not a ton of radiation that comes out of that. You get probably more radiation walking around outside than getting your dental x-rays. And I think the lead vests are kind of 
a joke in dentistry, to be honest, <laughs> because the amount of lead that's in one of those is is pathetic compared to <laughs> compared to an X-ray. So unless you want to wear something very very thick that would crash you, you're not gonna. You're not you're not really doing anything. It's more for show than is what you're saying. Yeah, it makes the patient feel good. And there's actually <laughs> some studies that came out recently that it it is no longer required in dentistry to wear a lead vest because it's just like people are realizing that it's not accomplishing. Not effective yeah okay. oh good to <laughs> but, know look we just got insight into dental industry practices as well and in a podcast or about the electromag electrical and, and magnetic fields we now understand something about the dentist it's wonderful hey can i ask a question you you talk you mentioned how higher frequency waves are generally higher energy waves and mm-hmm. well i get that how does that relate to when we talk about a, a wave being higher energy we're not talking about amplitude here we're talking about something else mm-hmm. could so you elaborate energy, yeah so amplitude is intensity as we talked about um and then you use the term frequency we were talking about wavelength um yes wavelength I mean, and frequency related. you understand yes i clearly, do but I, just I should for be everyone consistent. else out there no, you're so, good. For everyone else out there, frequency and wavelength are inversely proportional. So when you have a high frequency wave, you have a low wavelength wave. Um, but what you were saying about the energy, um, the equation that governs that is E equals HF, where H is a constant, it's Planck's constant, and then F is the frequency. Or it can also be E equals HC over lambda, where lambda is the wavelength. None of that really matters to most people listening, but um, the energy gets higher with higher frequency because frequency is how often something happens, how often that wave washes into you, basically. So you increase the energy that you are experiencing because you have more waves hitting you. Um, So with like a gamma ray, where a radio wave might only wash over you um, like... I don't know. I'm, these are obviously wrong numbers, but say it washes over you one time per second, a gamma ray might wash over you like uh, two billion times per second. So it's not that there's the amplitude isn't really related here. It's just that there is physically more of the waves hitting you. No, thank you for the clarification. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Uh, I think that's most of my questions. Um, Peter, any last uh, clarification? I, I feel like I've learned quite a bit. And um, You were about uh, to say any last words, weren't you? <laughs> 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 um, well, maybe, but I didn't. So, uh, Peter, any, any last clarifications or any ad- addendums on the material that we presented so far? No, I feel like you covered it pretty well. Um, yeah. Great. Well, I appreciate Peter's insight into physics once again, and we'll have Peter back again sometime. Discuss more physics. Matt and Peter can talk physics, and I can listen and try to understand. Uh, but yeah, we'll, uh, for those of you that are listening um, we uh, and are looking forward to Matt presenting more about history in the future, we'll do that again sometime soon. Right, Matt? Uh, yeah. 1944. Yeah. People are waiting with paper. That, that is what you are sending me up for, yes. That's <laughs> what you get paid for. Speaking of uh, what I get paid for, uh, if anyone, well, I don't know, are you going to put in your little uh, subscribe yes, plug oh, so yeah, that maybe we can actually uh, see some monetary compensation? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean the $15 that we currently have is insufficient? Um Yes. So those of you that uh, have not as of yet followed us on Spotify or Whatever you, yeah, it's following on Spotify, like us, review us on iTunes. Um, we've got uh, listeners all over the world. I usually try to give an update on where we stand with, uh, you know, what with which groups of the country and or world. Um, I think as of late, as I mentioned, we have New York that has really, uh, you know, jumped on the bandwagon. And so 
Uh, we also appreciate all our listeners in California. But you know what? Who really moves the needle in a way that I didn't expect is Ontario, Ontario, Canada. So those of you that listen to us on Ontario, Canada, uh, what is a greeting in Canadian? The, the word is thank you, and it's oh. the same in Canadian as it is in English. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Um, I could sing O Canada, but let's I not. Wouldn't. Yeah, let's, let's not do that. I think that would be punishing the users who are <laughs> listening in Canada. <laughs> I had a friend from Canada, and he'd, uh, uh, we, uh, he used to sing O Canada to me sometimes. And Friendly was, Canadian? Say it, it ain't so. <laughs> anyway uh, but yeah all over the world um, we appreciate everyone that's listening to us go ahead and follow us like us uh, ask us any questions you have on facebook either for peter or matt or myself or cameron or tim or johnny any of us that you've heard on any of these episodes uh, i will get in touch with them and we will do a follow-up if you have questions for us but uh, thanks peter again for the discussion of electromagnetic uh, fields and forces and we will be back again next podcast thanks